0: gathered in love and service for justice and peace. My friend, Reverend Mary Harrington, lives in her bed. Slowly but surely, ALS has crept up her body, robbing her of the use of her feet, then her legs, then her arms, and now her hands. She breathes with assistance, And these days, her voice is very, very soft. She lives in her bed, looking out over a salt marsh at the confluence of two rivers. To a visitor, her world looks small, her world once pulsing and thriving with activity, with Mary a whirling dervish at its center would appear to be as diminished as her physical prowess. But appearances are deceptive. In addition to the curiosity and delight she experiences in the life and tides just outside her window, her days are now filled to the brim with memory. I think of Rainer Maria Rilke's words And even if you were in some prison, the walls of which let none of the sounds of the world come to your senses, would you not then still have that precious royal possession, that treasure house of memories? Since not all memories are good memories, Venturing into the land of memory can feel hazardous, even dangerous. So we need to go there armed with the rest of the story, the fact that we survived whatever it is that seared our soul, and who helped us, and the resiliency of our spirits. If it's over, it's over. And so it is with Mary, who doesn't dwell on the fact that she was ebullient with good health until one day she wasn't. And the night we prayed together that whatever was making her fall down wasn't MS. And the afternoon she called to say it was something far worse. And in the inexorable months of loss now, as she is born toward Lou Gehrig's untimely and merciless death. Here's something she wrote this past summer. Many years ago, I went to hear a talk by Stephen Levine, who has written many books on death and dying, including Meetings at the Edge and Who Dies. He told a story about a Zen master, and this is how I remember it. The teacher was confronted by a fierce young student who demanded to know What is the point in living since sooner or later we all die? Isn't this life just a cruel trick since no matter what we do, no matter how good we try to be, no matter how much we learn or how wise we become, still we will die? What is the point? What is the purpose of life? The teacher picked up a glass and held it out to the student. Look at this glass. Right now, it is useful and whole. You can drink water from it. It is lovely to see. If I tap it with a spoon, it makes a wonderful sound. But at some point, it will no longer exist. It cannot last forever. At some point, someone will drop it, and it will break. And that will be the end of it. We don't know when, but we know for certain this will happen. So you could say, it is broken already. It is smashed and gone already. The teacher went on, what will I do? I can drink from this glass and make use of it, admire it while I have it. Or I could just get it over with, throw it to the ground, since I know its ultimate fate. And here you are, young and vibrant and full of questions, but someday you will die and decompose and return to the earth. In that sense, you are dead already. Already dead. What will you do with your life? Mary continues, I think of this story as I ponder the coming months. I could focus mainly on the fact that I am already gone, or about to be. As I look around my beautiful room and out at the marsh, I could dwell on what I'll be leaving behind and the fear, sorrow, and heartache. I think of this story as I look at everyone I love. Are we gone from each other already? Already gone from each other, what will we do with our time together?" She continues, When we were packing to leave California, I realized I had already left the house. So I decided to plant flowers. On the deck and front porch were all sorts of hanging baskets and large pots that I filled every spring with fuchsia and bougainvillea, jasmine and gardenias, sweet Williams and cosmos. They were all empty except for the dirt and a few broken twigs and lots of spider webs. Marty clearly thought I was a bit crazy. Why fill them when we're moving in a few months, he asked. It could be seen as a waste of time and money if you go on the assumption that we were gone already. On the other hand, we'd have months of being surrounded by all that beauty and the scent of those white flowers. While we were living in our house, we were living in our house. Reverend Mary Harrington concludes, and so it is with my people, my animals, the marsh, and all the ways my friends bring me the world in their writing and visits. While we are together, we are together. I want to savor every moment before it really is over. And who knows what that means anyway, spiritual teachers and colleagues are reminding me and reassuring me that love never dies. William Wordsworth wrote, what though the radiance which was once so bright be now forever taken from my sight. Though nothing can bring back the hour of splendor in the grass, of glory in the flower, we will grieve not. Rather, find strength in what remains behind. This reminds me of the memory evoked in Robert Frost's Mending Wall A wall separates the poet's land from his neighbor's land. Over the winter, the wall has fallen down in places or been knocked down by hunters. At spring mending time, the poet makes a date with his neighbor. And on a day, we meet to walk the line and set the wall between us once again. We keep the wall between us as we go. To each the boulders that have fallen to each. And some are loaves, and some are so nearly balls, we have to use a spell to make them balance. Stay where you are until our backs are turned. We wear our fingers rough with handling them. Oh, just another kind of outdoor game, one on a side. After the long winter, this is how the two men renew their relationship. It's not the wall itself, but their shared attention to the wall and to each other that makes them good neighbors. This poem has an elegiac quality. I remember, says the poet, I remember winter giving way to spring, each year after winter, spring, and meeting my neighbor and mending the wall together. This poem's best-known line may be familiar. It says, good fences make good neighbors. Many people interpret this to mean that we need edges, boundaries between us, that we defining what is mine and what is yours will make us better able to get along. But the opposite is just as true or truer when we soften our edges, meet at the boundaries, and devote ourselves to the commonwealth, everything goes better. The building and rebuilding of good fences together makes good neighbors. And so memories of good times can serve to bear us through the winter of bad times, to make them more bearable, to give us strength, as William Wordsworth says, with the recollection of their sweetness. In speaking of the life review before death, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross called moments we love pearls. A life is a string of pearls threaded on memory. Cesar Pavasi wrote, we do not remember days, we remember moments. What moments? Do you cherish? What pearls will you string? This is yet another turn of the kaleidoscope on the subject of which I never tire paying attention. When we pay attention, giving ourselves to sight and sound, smell and taste, giving ourselves to the feeling of the good that is unfolding around us and within us, The experience is made clearer and dearer, which brings us to the idea and the possibilities of choosing to make memories, choosing to pay attention to where we give our time and devotion, and so making good memories. My friend Jeffrey is taking a week off soon, and as it turns out, he's never taken a train. For small money, he can forego the bus and take the train just for the experience. And then the trip to the destination, too, will become something of the memory of his vacation. He's already excited. The anticipation of a memory is also sweet. Many summers ago, in the middle of a New Hampshire night, my camp counselor woke me up Wrapped me in a sleeping bag and walked me down to the lake to see the northern lights. It was magical. Years later, as an RA in a college freshman dorm, I dragged them out to a field to sleep under Vermont's autumn stars. After midnight, I woke them up to see the northern lights. A magical memory. Pass it on. My spiritual companions, let us open the treasure house of memories, releasing what is painful and cherishing what we love, precious moments like pearls threaded on memory. Though nothing can bring back the hour of splendor in the grass or glory in the flower, We will grieve not, rather find strength in what remains behind. And may memories of good times companion us, comfort us, uplift us, and guide us through difficult days. Now, already dead, what will we do with our lives? Amen.